the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Very special guest joins us on the program today who went from almost 30 years enforcing the law to now teaching God's law. We're pleased to have join us today the founder and senior pastor of Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide, Pastor Joel Jones. Pastor Jones, I'd like to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Craig. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure to talk with you and to hear you, that voice. And, uh, and, and likewise, feel, feel the same. Feel the same, brother. Well, we've got much to talk about today. First, let me say a kind of a, a congratulations on the anniversary. I understand the church this year just marked 10 full years in impacting that greater Fairfield area for Christ. Yes, sir. Um, it's I don't know where the time went, uh, but it it flew by, and uh, it's hard to believe that I've been pastoring now uh, for 10 years uh, after coming from a background where I knew nothing about the Lord and had not met him. And so now, all I can say is, look at God. He he has a plan and a purpose for our lives that uh, you, you could never imagine. So I'm just thankful to be on board and that he thought enough of us to uh, teach us and move us. And we're still learning. But it certainly is an accomplishment that um, we give to God in all things and give the credit to him for sustaining us. Let's talk a bit about your your spiritual path, your spiritual journey. And um, listeners, I think, are going to be fascinated to hear and learn how broad and wide your background is. I alluded in my introduction to the fact that you served as a police officer, both in the cities of Oakland and in San Francisco. You also served as a deputy sheriff sergeant. In addition to that, you spent some time in your younger years on the gridiron. And I understand all of this began back in Chicago. Tell us more about that uh, that pathway and, and some of your life growing up. Well, um, we, I'm from Chicago, and my mother and father had 13 children. And I was uh, the last of the 13. I was the 12th. And uh, so she had me at the age of 41 against doctor's orders. But uh, uh, I came up through Chicago, and Chicago was a place that was so polarized that um, I had a lot of scholarship offers to go to uh, schools of higher education, higher learning on scholarships, and I could do the classwork. So I had everything from Dartmouth to um, Long Beach State, California, uh, Iowa, to, to play ball. I didn't really care for ball at the time, but it was a way to get out of Chicago. And so I happened to have the skill to play. And I was what they call a blue, a blue chip player. So I didn't know at the time that the scouts were scouting me. I just knew that it was a way to 
probably earn a better way of life, earn a, earn a living, provide for my wife who, I, who we met at 14. I wanted to take her with me. And so I went away to explore the possibilities. And that's what one of the best things, not to disparage Chicago, but I needed to get out in the world and learn. And this was a way to do it, I thought. So I took that offer. You, you mentioned uh, your, your wife, Annalisa, with whom, of course, you co-pastor there at the Spirit of Truth, uh, the Truth Church. You guys were high school sweethearts. Yes, yes. We met at the age of 14. We were both 14. And uh, I met her through her brother, and they lived across town. And I would walk somewhere between 5 to 10 miles to her home. I didn't have a car. And I'd pick her up from work and walk her home and the whole bit. And uh, I didn't know we were going to get married, but we went steady all through high school. And then at the age of 19, after I knew that I was going to be out in the world, um, one of my coaches said, well, what what about your, uh, your girlfriend? And I said, well, Hopefully she'll wait for me. He said, no, I wouldn't leave her behind if I were you. If you don't get her, somebody else is going to. So I thought about it and we married. And I would say that this was all God. I knew nothing about girls and I didn't have a car or anything else yet. She stuck with me and uh, we're still together today. Of course, now we know much better. We know that the Lord had had his hand on us and he charted our lives. There's no way this could happen without Jesus. That's it. And he knew, he knew that, okay, that kid's a long way off, but I'm going to guide him to the water. And he did. And, and, <laughs> so and gave you a wonderful helpmate along the way. You, you, you kids, I'll call you. <laughs> yes, Rare, definitely. Rarely at our age are we called kids. And I, <laughs> that, that's a compliment. Uh, but, but you, you've, you've been married for a long time now. And in addition to your own children, you, your grandparents too now. Yes. We, I have four grandchildren. We've been married now. Uh, she whiz. I think it's 40 years. Yeah, you better something. come up with the right number. Yeah. I, <laughs> You're well, going to be in trouble the if you good don't. Thing about it, the, the good thing about it is sometimes neither one of us can remember. we got to do the math. <laughs> but, uh, you just say, honey, I don't recall you were there. Can you remind me? <laughs> yeah. We've got a going steady anniversary where we first went steady that she wants me to remember that date. And then we have our anniversary wedding anniversary that I have to remember. So we celebrate two anniversaries, uh, November 2nd and April 2nd. Well, that's that's fantastic. Well, uh, let's talk a bit about some of that experience. So le- leaving Chicago, and as you indicated, this was kind of a, a ticket to get out of town and uh, to uh, improve your situation in life and have uh, educational opportunities. The um, the scouts indeed were uh, having an eye on you, and you had a chance to, and you had a chance to play pro ball for uh, a season in your life, and then you pivoted to an interesting new direction. And I alluded to this as well in my opening remarks. Um, you had a very long and illustrious career in law enforcement. What led you down that path? Oh wow! Yeah, I guess uh, Craig, when I. Uh ended my last year I had an injury to my knee and uh, I tried to rehab the knee and but the back in those days the 
the uh, physical therapy and and wasn't what it is today. And if you had a meniscus injury, it could take you out for a year. Nowadays, players come back in a few days, a few weeks. But the point is, uh, having surgery on my knee uh, was something I couldn't do. So, so I had to play with that injury, and that took me down a step in my speed and uh, endurance. I couldn't work out like I wanted to and rehab the knee. And I would go to a team, uh, such as when I went to Dallas and for tryouts, and I just couldn't make the final cut. Uh, uh, and so by the time I did, uh, I needed to make a living. I needed to um, get into something worthwhile. And I was courted by uh, a few police officers. Just as the scouts came to me, then people uh, was training at a gym and uh, there were officers in the gym. And uh, there were a lot of different uh, people from all walks of life some savory and some unsavory. And um, the officer said, you know, you'd make a really, we could use you in, in law enforcement. You could help children. You could help young people. You could mentor them. You, you train and you could do this and that. And they said, if nothing else, you could go to the academy and make money and chart the, the next course of your life. And I happened to be in California and California was such a melting pot of all races out here. It was something that Chicago wasn't. And so I said, if I were to do police work, uh, it would be much better to do it out here than at home. And so I did. I opted to try it out. And um, it just grew on me. I was it, it, like football. It was it was easy for me. And uh so I wound up staying in law enforcement and then I wound up uh, moving to the sheriff department and as a sergeant and uh, I retired there. And, and that was all God. It was something that I never really thought about. My idea was to go back to, to school and maybe go to grad school and, and, and get into social psychology is what I was interested in doing or law, pre-law. And my daughter's an attorney now, but uh, that was my goal for me uh, at the time. But God just had this different plan for me. I can't even put it into words that I would serve the public. And but but of course, with police work, I wound up doing heavy duty police work. I wound up going into the door first and doing the um, entry team and uh SWAT team type of work. And um, but again, I see it as a stepping stone to what the Lord had for me. He's because when the Lord came to me, he said, now you've been locking them up for years, but now you'll set them free (laughs) through Jesus Christ. And I remember that to this day when the spirit told me that. So something completely out of bounds in in, in my planning. And that's how I've uh, that's how I followed the Lord ever since I met him. I didn't know him then, but I know that God put, brings you to an, uh, an area of understanding. And then the puzzle pieces start to fit together. You just didn't know it at the time. Our conversation today with Pastor Joel Jones, senior pastor at Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide, continues right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Welcome back to our conversation. Pastor Joel Jones, senior and founding pastor of Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide, is with us today. Pastor Jones, I want to pick up where we left off just before the break. Ironically, though, you look at the trajectory of your life and this thread of helping people in trouble, helping the downtrodden, has been there all along. I mean, when you talk about law enforcement today, and, and, and we've had these conversations, law enforcement gets a rap, a bad rap, sometimes mm-hmm. undeservedly, sometimes mm-hmm. diver- deser- deservedly so. Mm-hmm. But in the end, we're looking at people that are all broken. We're looking at people that, that are acting out in different ways. Uh, clearly, that impact of the sin nature is there. And whether you, you start by having an encounter with law enforcement and then to a judge... Someday we're all going to have an encounter with a judge. It's going to be the judge of the highest court, not in the land, but in the universe. We're going to have to give an account for our actions. And then the question becomes, are we going to be chided for failure? Or are we going to hear those magic and wonderful words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into thy rest. Jesus has made this beautiful mansion here for you. Let me go get you the keys. (laughs) <laughs> so it, it sounds as if your heartbeat for people in trouble, we'll say, to just kind of generalize this, mm-hmm. for people on the edge has really been a, a core part of, of your entire career trajectory. How, how much of that was, was, was a product of, of your childhood, the family of Chicago? Well, I, I believe that uh, you're, you're I, I agree with you. First of all, I've always wanted to help people. But I grew up a, a very shy uh, kid, you know. I was, I was, uh, I was just one of those children that was didn't have much to say. But I was, I was a better soldier than a leader. Let me put it like that. Well, and, and you were, you were at the end of the pack too, which is yes. it's it's yes. it's hard to get attention when there's that many. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, my house was a house where you, you know, whoever woke up first got the T-shirt. OK, so that's what, that's that's how many children there were. And I was not forgotten about. Um, but when you have 13 children and you can barely remember their names, that last those last few children are sometimes have the uh, uh, the fortune or the misfortune to either get in trouble or to explore. Mm-hmm. And I was one that was allowed to do work. I was allowed to play ball where my older brothers weren't. The first ones who were 20 years older than me almost, uh, 15, 18 years older than me, they weren't allowed to play ball, you know, when my parents were young because of religion. They weren't allowed to step out and do certain things. I was because I was practically forgotten about. My mother was tired when she had me. My father was Any parent listening right now says, gee, we've got two kids and I'm exhausted. I can't imagine multiplying that five times over. Yes. <laughs> My father worked three jobs. And uh, so I I was out there and, and just, thank God I was uh, I didn't get in trouble. I was one of those kids that just played ball all day and uh, sun up to sundown. I played just about every sport except basketball, football, baseball was my number one sport. And uh, then football came along. So I was always doing something athletic, even at the age of eight. I was training at eight years old. Nobody really taught me. It was just something that was in me. And it kept me out of trouble. And uh, so it, it was something that I think was in the works. 
in other words. It, it wasn't God's plan. And I'm curious, at this stage in life, looking back at all of your accomplishments, both in terms of your own family, now with grandchildren, as we mentioned, many years in law enforcement, now, of course, pastoring full-time. But if you look back at the totality of your life experience on earth, are there places now where looking back you can see, aha, I didn't know it then, but that was the hand of God working, moving, directing, opening doors at various times in your life? Yes. Yes, definitely. I, I would say yes. And he made it clear the older I got as I moved into the, the later seasons of my life. Of course, I'll, 90% of it I understood after I met Jesus. But as I look back now, when I was 10, when I was 12, there were experiences when I believed that the Lord was was guiding me. I believe he was speaking to my heart. I knew there was something out there I was supposed to do. I just didn't know what. And I knew that I had to make this journey, this trek, and I didn't know how it was going to be done. We were on welfare. Um, my mother used food stamps. She was, my parents were very honorable. They tried to do everything the right way. No smoking, no drinking. They just didn't follow Jesus. And I know that the Lord put me in a household where I had a mother and a father where a lot of children didn't. And so I look back on that. And, and when Jesus says, hey, I'll, I'll lead you and guide you, I'll bring you through the midst of the storm. Well, you know, when he says in Romans, all things work together for good to those who love God and are the call according to his purpose. I believe with all my heart and I know now that I was called. So he uh, when God has a plan for you, no one is going to take that away. And uh, I, I just believe that uh, now I see uh, certain little pockets of my life where it was the Lord speaking to me. I just didn't recognize the voice. Mm. I just didn't know him. But there was something very pleasing where I didn't have to worry. I never worried about my life. I never worried about a situation, even when there was danger, even when guns were pulled on me. I never worried about it. I just knew this has to be taken care of. And uh, and I was being taken care of. So my thing is, I know about the time the Lord saved me. But when I go to heaven, boy, I want to see the times that I didn't know he saved. That's right. You know, that's, that's going to be something to yeah. talk about, yeah. you know, because I know he did. Un undoubtedly so. Undoubtedly so. And I think that's true for all of us, both in terms of the way in which God was was gently, the Holy Spirit gently poking on our shoulders to get our attention, as well yeah. as, and, and you know what's interesting, sometimes you, you meet believers who have been 30, 40, 50, 60 years in Christ. Yeah. And they say, well, I don't really have a testimony because I, you know, I was never an alcoholic. I, I never did drugs. I, I'm married to the same woman for 40 years. Wow. I don't really have a testimony. And that's where I stop and say, wait a minute. That don't have a testimony. <laughs> that, that look at all that God has spared you from. Yes. Our conversation today with Pastor Joel Jones, Senior Pastor at Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide, continues right after this. Welcome back to our conversation. Pastor Joel Jones, Senior and Founding Pastor of Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide, is with us today. Pastor Jones, let's pick up where we left off just before the break. When we get to heaven, we're, we're going to find out. God's going to say, let me, let me just roll back the tape yeah. and, and give you a chance. <laughs> Chance to look now. I'm curious about something. I, I, I'm going to suspect from our dialogue so far, so far that there are probably 
two people in your life that have had the 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 greatest impression upon you. One certainly your childhood sweetheart, your spouse of today, Annalisa, but the other, of course, that other very critically important person in your life, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that encounter. Um, you mentioned growing up in a house that was generally not kind of a religious, uh, you know, religious but not religious in a sense. But what what about that that encounter? What were, was there a was there ever a uh, a Damascus Road experience for you? How did that come about? Oh, sure, sure. In fact, I identify with Paul quite a bit. Uh, I believed what I believed. Now, as you know, you probably know. I think we talked about this. My family. Uh, were in Islam, uh, not Orthodox Islam, but certainly an offshoot type of Islam, and they believed in uh, followed Elijah Muhammad. Mm-hmm. My parents did, so I was raised in that doctrine. And coming from I Chicago, was, that's not surprising either, because of the no. the, the influence there of, of the nation of Islam. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Along the south side of Chicago, that whole south side is. It's just like the gangs, the Blackstone Rangers gang is on the south side and the west side. And and then uh, the uh, Nation of Islam was predominantly throughout Chicago. And as the older people of color came up from the south and came into Chicago, they were wooed by the nation at that time. And my father was one of those people trying to make a better life. And they had signs like do for self and and. Uh, you know, make your own vegetables and and get your own education. All good things for for people, uh, especially people that were downtrodden and so forth. So, of course, my father and mother embraced it. Um, again, my older brothers and sisters had to go into the, that religion, uh, but I had not been born. Uh, at, at that time. And so when I was born into it, again, my parents were tired. So they didn't push me. They didn't push me into the religion. However, some of the good things about it, eating healthy, eating, uh, you know, not smoking, not drinking, keeping me sober, you know, not ever having a beer and things like that, even to this day, that was good. Uh, but the, the, the point is, um, I, I there were some things about it that, of course, I did not believe in and I did not embrace. And I was a, a free thinker where I could think and analyze and analytically and be prudent about some things. It didn't it didn't jive with me. I didn't feel it. And so when the scholarship offers came, that was my escape. I figured this is a way out to see the world. I must see what's out there. I've got to see how other people are living. This can't be a black and white issue. There's more to life than being on the south side of Chicago. And and so that was something uh, that I grew away from. And it was like a bird spouting wings to fly. You know, I had to be, uh, it was another transformation, so to speak, that I could get away because as long as I was under my parents' roof, I had to respect their beliefs. And I was just quiet because I was glad that they didn't push it on me. I never would have played ball. I never would have been an athlete. I I would have had to, to go into the nation and do the things that they wanted me to do. And uh, at the end, even at the end of my father's time, he was very disillusioned. He died a very uh, uh, sad and frustrated man because he put his faith in religion instead of 
in the Lord. Yeah, there's that distinct difference between religion versus relationship. And whether we're talking about a a distinctly false religion or a a carbon copy, an attempt at the carbon copy of the truth. And and the nation of Islam is 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 fascinating in a sense because it's sort of this this hybrid. If you look at the teachings of Elijah Muhammad and Louis Farrakhan It's Islam, but not really. It's Christianity, but not really. You, you can hear, you know, as likely as a quote from the Quran as a quote from the New World Testament in, in any given sermon at the mosque. Um, But in the end, we know based on biblical truth that it is nevertheless a substitute for the truth. And so no surprise there that that many people, after spending a lifetime sometimes, being very faithful in religion, Mm -hmm. suddenly discover that religion in and of itself is no substitute for relationship. And that really is, is the distinction that you're speaking of. That's that's correct, uh, Greg, and and that's exactly what happened. As a youngster, I I couldn't put any of that into words. But after my journey with the Lord, and uh, after speaking to the Lord, and and even after the the one on one relationship that I've had with God, and uh, you know something about our testimony, then the Lord speaking to our heart and manifesting Himself to us, and I ask questions, I, I search the Bible, and I find that the Lord wants. Every man, it's his will that we come through Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. And that's absolutely true. How can we do anything without the help of the Holy Spirit? If you don't know him, how do you know you're doing the right thing? As as honest as you feel in your heart, how can you know you're making the right decision without accessing the Holy Spirit? And you're in a religion that has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Well, and ironically, and and this is true, you know, whether we're talking about the nation of Islam or any other world religion or or even some folks that are just religious in a Christian way, that it it tends to focus so much on works, how you live, what you do, how much you give, things of this sort. And I'm always fascinated. A quick story. My first trip into India in going through a Hindu temple, and seeing all of the different altars and the smell of the incense burning and the clanging of of bells and things of this sort and and it's it's fast it fascinated me in the sense that looking around at that scene I thought to myself my my how hard mankind works in an attempt to reach up towards god yes completely failing to recognize that in fact god came down we're <laughs> trying to reach up and he said, no, 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 you can't do that. I'm going to come down. Exactly. And we work so hard trying to find that satisfaction in life mm-hmm. to, 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 to discover that sense of value and completely fail at understanding there's nothing we can do. Surrender. That's what you can do. You can surrender. And when you surrender to Christ, then God steps in and heals the wounds, restores sight to the blind, gives hearing to the deaf, both literally and figuratively. We know all of that. But it's fascinating how how hard we work sometimes trying to reach God, and God says, no, 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 no. This is not all about you. This is all about me and my son. And we miss that point, don't we? Yes, we do. And, and I, I believe that um, God is so faithful and he is so gentle and so omniscient that he will leave people 
in a season of their lives. For a while, he may leave you there. You may believe up and down you're doing the right thing. And God says, I, 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 just leave me for a minute. And sometimes that I'll wilderness start. experience can, 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 can be helpful, <laughs> <Yeah>. can it? <laughs> yes, yes. But sooner or later, he's going to take the uh, veil off. He's going to take the shells off people's eyes so that they can see. And sometimes that takes a while and you're so, you're so blown away and, and disillusioned by it. But you're thankful that, that he revealed the truth to you. But I'd say some people uh, that I know are, have, have walked that walk that I had to walk. And it took them years to find out, it took them years to come to the understanding. And now they say, wow, I was in that pit and I didn't even know it. You know, and the Lord pulled me out. And that's how it is with me. And of course, I've got family members who are still locked in They're They're much older than me. So you're talking about in your 80s and and, uh, you still are held to those beliefs because it's all you know. And uh, so we uh, with gentleness and love try to explain the love of God, the love of Christ to them so that they don't perish because only through Jesus Christ can you be saved. And like you said, it doesn't matter if it's Islam, if it's uh, Catholicism, whatever the case may be, you've got to come across the line full circle to come to Christ and submit and he'll take care of the rest. So I learned that and it was because the opening he gave me was to come out of Chicago. I think the Lord let me play football and let me get into sports and athletics, not to be a celebrity or a star or anything else that people are trying to put on you. It was to understand the struggle and to get me to a point of diligence in working. Will you do the work? Are you willing to train like you train for this? Will you use that? training and determination and discipline and obedience and lifestyle for Christ. And that's what it taught me. All those things put together taught me, the competition taught me that I have to beat myself. I have to give him all the credit that is not about me. Everything you were were talking about, did I have a Damascus Road uh, uh, experience? Yes, my life has been that way. I, I, what I knew, I knew, and I believed in some things. I believed I had to do a job. I believe I had to make the arrest. I believe I had to uh, win the game. I believe I had to do all those things. But on that road, Jesus came down and said, no more. I am the way. Will you take that? Will, uh, will you trade everything in to follow me? I was acting. I was with the Screen Actors Guild. They had movies that they wanted me to do. I was doing commercials. I played in movies of the week and different things. They were picking me up in limos and and doing it. This all came around the same time when when the Lord came. And uh, I had a chance to go to Hollywood. And some of the people that are, are big stars now, I had a chance to act with them. And they were trying to make it. And they were saying, come on, Joel, go down to... Uh, we're going to live in this apartment complex and we're going to audition in two years or a year or so. We'll make it. And sure enough, they did. They did. it. And I said, well, I don't know if I need to go down there. I said, because I've got a wife in California. I've got a child 
and I don't want to leave them. And they were saying, but you have to, man, if you want to make it, we got to go down here now. And they did. Our conversation today with Pastor Joel Jones, Senior Pastor at Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide, continues right after this. Welcome back to our conversation. Pastor Joel Jones, Senior and Founding Pastor of Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide, is with us today. Pastor Jones, I want to pick up where we left off just before the break. Amazing the way the enemy will sometimes, you know, what we think is a, a golden career opportunity. Boy, yeah. this could be my ticket to easy street, not yes. recognizing that there can also, in God's greater plan, be parallels to, to well, even what the, the enemy did by taking Jesus up on the precipice and saying, look, yes. all of this can be all yours, <laughs> which yes. ironically is like, dude, you don't understand. All of this already is mine. <laughs> I have this Absolutely. inheritance from my heavenly father. It's all mine. It's all ours. That that inheritance, yeah. in a sense, of all of the preciousness that God has shown toward us. We yes. are each and every one heirs of the father, joint heirs with the son. And, and, and as you were talking about your, your experience working in law enforcement, I was drawn by the the unique parallel. You know, a police officer goes into situations that are completely unforeseen. You have no idea who's around the corner with what, ready to do what. And and correct me if I'm wrong here, Pastor Jones, but most police officers then say, I lean on my training to get me through those circumstances when I don't know what to expect, when I don't know what's going to be tossed at me. I don't know if I'm I'm going to be meeting danger around the corner or an 80-year-old woman that needs help across the street. So I have to lean into my training. And isn't it fascinating that discipleship is the same way, that oh, we don't know what life is going to toss at us? Yes. But if we study to show ourselves approved, if we've mm-hmm. been in the word and mm-hmm. we get into those times in life where we just don't know what's around the corner, lean okay. into our training, lean into God's word. And just like the training of a peace officer will get you through those unknown circumstances, that training in God's word will do the same for life. Am, am I right? Absolutely. Uh, Craig, you, you hit the nail on the head. You're, you're, you're preaching to me. I'm telling you. <laughs> we'll have church in a minute here. Let's take up an yeah. offering. <laughs> because that's exactly right. Uh, how can you do anything without training? How can you be good on the job if you don't know the, the general orders of the job? How can you be a good soldier without knowing your GOs? How do you do it without practicing Practice makes perfect. So the way, as my coach used to say, the the way you uh, uh, play, the way you practice is the way you will play the game on Sunday. What have you put into it during the week when you show up on the field on Sunday? It's too late to think about that trap block. Mm. It's coming. How will you negotiate uh, the danger? Same in police work, same in the spiritual realm. How will you negotiate the hurdles that you have to jump over in order to get to the finish line with Christ? So some folks, some folks that have the Bible that they treat as, you know, well, we put all the birthdays and deaths in the front page, but otherwise it sits underneath the coffee table or we might occasionally use it to press flowers, but nothing more. (laughs) Does this describe the Christian then that is struggling in life, even though perhaps they know Jesus, even though perhaps they go to church? Every now and then, at least, they profess to know Jesus, or at least profess that they have surrendered their life to Christ, and yet mm-hmm. never open the book, mm-hmm. never do any training, don't don't have a sense of what 
discipleship is all about, both in terms of the making of a, a, a follower of Jesus and then going out and making other followers, right? Great, great commission. Uh, it, it, does this describe why people get themselves oftentimes in so much trouble because they failed to train for life? Yes, absolutely, Craig. Uh, I always say, and it's a saying that I picked up somewhere, that uh, uh, all disciples are believers, but not all believers are disciples. Mm, that's good. And, um, that's good. That's, that's really what I found. Now, I found this in sports. I found that people will, will on a football team, they will come out and they'll make the team. Maybe this maybe this kid was has so much speed that they're going to use him at a different position. He's got speed. He's on the team, but he's impressing his girlfriend. So he goes to travel and he makes money and he's dressed, but he never really plays in the game. He never really has been put in that last minute where the clock is ticking down and you've got to make the play. Now they get nervous and they drop the ball. I've seen it in police work where we have uh, – police officers who are on the squad but they've never been in a real firefight before so when they go through the door thinking that people are going to lay down but there's a person in there with a with a, a machine gun and they run the other way i've seen that because they didn't do the work they didn't train uh, they, they they made the team but they didn't go the extra mile so i've seen it in the church where people come to church and they do church, but they are, how much church do you have in you? So I say, when you come to church, you should be bringing the church into the building instead of thinking that I'm going to church. And because I pay my tithes and because I dress nice and because I can throw up some hallelujahs, that makes me a disciple of Christ. No, it doesn't. You've got to walk in it. You've got to eat it. You've got to drink it. It's got to be in your system. And that's the difference that I see. The church is not much different than the world. People are fractured. People are hurting. People want something. But are they willing to go and let it take you over? Let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you. So it's got to be in you. And I found that out in my life. And I think it's because of my something the Lord put in me as far as the work ethic. Oh, I'll. I would train for hours. I would train for hours just to get it in me. Um, when I was in martial arts, uh, you learn a lot of techniques. But I ran into an instructor who said, let me tell you something, Joel. He said, it's easier to find a good teacher than it is to find a good student. Mm. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by what you say there in terms of on Sunday mornings, we have to bring the church. Don't yes. feel as if we're going to church, but rather right. bringing church with us. Yes. And yes. conversely, when we finish on Sunday morning and the final amen has been said, pastor says, God bless you. We'll see you all next week. It's important to take the church with us back out back into out. the marketplace, into our homes, mm -hmm. into the places that we visit, that we shop. Yes all the people around us. And, and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. Scripture talks about, I think we had mentioned this before we came on the air today, that we're told to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Mm -hmm. But we're also told ourselves to go out to be witnesses in Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Yes. And that sense of bringing the church, bringing the gospel, bringing the yes. message of hope 
that God has sent us through his son, Jesus Christ, that we need to be active in taking that with us when we go to the building we call church and then take it with us when we go back out into the world to impact lives around us. And, and maybe part of the failure is that we're there's, there's a growing percentage of people that think is, church is something you go to or something that you do as opposed to what you are. Do you think that's true? Absolutely true. And that's the mistake that we've made. We made the mistake of thinking, because I can use the term Christian, that I'm a Christian is going to mean something. Or people are watching us. There, you know that old saying that says, "Preach, uh, 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 speak the word, and sometimes use scripture." In other words, let them see Christ in you. People are more concerned about you. Uh, showing them how to be a Christian than telling them what to do. Our conversation today with Pastor Joel Jones, Senior Pastor at Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide, continues right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation. Pastor Joel Jones, Senior and Founding Pastor of Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide is with us today. Pastor Jones, let's pick up where we left off just before the break. You talk to the, the, to the, the uh, unbelievers and, and you sometimes find out that they've, they They've never become a Christian, either because they've never met a Christian or because they have met a Christian. <laughs> One way or the other, right? That's right. And, and that's how it was with me when I was younger. You know, uh, my parents were telling me, and whatever you do, don't hang out with those Christians. Watch them. You know, they're, they're liars. They're this, they're that. They fornicate. They do all this. True. True. And that's all I saw. That's what I saw in Chicago. I saw flamboyant, flashy. Uh, so-called preachers, and uh, I have to say, I couldn't. Sometimes I couldn't tell the difference in them and and a pimp in Harlem. Well, you talked earlier about you know the, the guys that you get out on the gridiron that you know uh, the, the term that came to my mind is hot dogging. You know, they're yes. hot dogging it because they want to impress somebody, yes. and that happens. Yes. Uh, you know, undoubtedly not only in the pro sports arena, but in mm-hmm. life, there are some Christians just hot dog it. They make a big deal about what they do, but in terms of their effectiveness, be a disciple, make a disciple. They don't even know how to spell the word. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I've seen uh, pastors, and the first thing they want to say is, uh, you know, basically what's in it for me, Mm. you know, and uh, what kind of car do you drive? Uh, um, Park that car in the back. Don't, uh, you know, they park all the nice cars in the front yeah. of, the, of the church. And, yeah. and a lot of times that's that whole mega church uh, attitude that unfortunately a lot of our leaders have led flocks the wrong way. So that now people come into church thinking that I'm coming in to get something. I'm coming in to get a good life instead of giving my life to Jesus. See, and uh, Jesus is going to take care of you, but. He's going to transform you. And with any kind of growth, it's going to take work. And you have to be patient. You have to stand down. I got that from the military. You've got to stand down and wait on your orders. Sometimes you have to sit in that foxhole in the rain for a while. And sometimes you have to deal with the sergeant yelling at you. Yes. That that really is, is, we, we think they're breaking a man's spirit, but it's pruning. Yes, and, and you know we, we we know the story of of the, the one that's tending the vines, the grape vines right. out in the orchard yeah, that they need dresser. to be pruned. And God does yeah. the same thing with us, doesn't He? Yes, He does. And and I think that that's a matter of pride that we pick up in the world, and uh, 
we can do it our way. It's your thing. Do what you want to do, as the old song used to say. And we uh, we adopt the ways of the world when God's ways are much higher. But if you sooner or later, you come to the point where you have to say, you know what? If I want to grow and if I want to call myself a disciple of Christ, I have to do it God's way. And we have to submit to the Lord. And that's what we do now. And I think that's, I, I never knew I was going to be a pastor. I, there's no way uh, I would have signed on for that. But if the Lord compels you to do something and he puts the puzzle into place and he says, uh, I'm going to lead and guide you. If I trust him, that means I had to give my life up for a life with the Lord. And he said it. He said, when I asked the Lord, Lord, if you're going to call me to the pulpit, why did you have me learning self-defense? Why did you have me playing football, a violent sport? Why did you have me boxing? Why did you have me learning to shoot and be a marksman? Why did you have me doing those things if, if you're going to call me to the pulpit? And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, son, that wasn't my, my will for you. He said, you like those things. So as a father, he, he, he allowed me to do those things. He said, but if you'll train five hours a day for your pursuits, if you'll train daily for the pursuits of the, the world, mm-hmm. if you give your life for the world, I wonder what you are willing to give for the creator of the world. Wow. And that's what he asked me. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I wept. I cried. And I, I couldn't argue the point. See, if you give me truth. I'm not going to argue with you. I may not like it. I may not agree with it, but it's truth. And I've got to say, I can't argue with that. Well, I have to. and at the end of the day, we're exhorted to, to trust the Lord with all of our heart, all your- mind, soul, to lean not on our own understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, his ways are not our ways. And if we'll just trust in if God can't handle it, he who created us and everything in the world. If God can't handle it, then you can't either. That's right. <laughs> you're, you're probably just better off surrendering and saying, Lord, I, I don't know, but in yeah. thee I put my trust. Hey, Pastor, yeah, I want to pivot for a moment here because they're going to grab the shepherd's crook and say, the two of you talking too much. <laughs> okay, okay. So before okay. time winds up, I want to spend a few moments talking a bit about uh, the ministry there. We mentioned that uh, the church just celebrated here in the year uh, your 10th anniversary. So yeah. for folks that perhaps are are looking for a new church home. Tell us a bit about Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide and the meeting there in Fairfield. Okay, well, Spirit of Truth uh, Church Worldwide is what we call an uncompromising church. We, we, we teach and preach straight from the Bible as led by the Holy Spirit of God. And we are here to make disciples. It's as simple as that. It's not a church that's going to uh, compromise God's word. We're here to do the work that the Lord has given us. And if you want a church that's going to tell you the straight scoop and how that straight, how that Bible applies to each facet of our lives, then this is a place to come to. Now, I will say it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to take medicine. Sometimes uh, the medicine doesn't taste good going down. But if you want truth and if you want medicine that's going to get in your system, and, and give you the straight scoop and get you to a, a place in Christ that you are walking uh, with God leading you. This is, that's what we do. And we don't expect um, 
it's not a, I, I would say that uh, it's a church where you, uh, some people come here and they've been to other churches. They've tried different ways and they've tried the flamboyance and they, uh, the, the church of the flamboyant churches where, where everybody's saying I'm blessed and highly favored and everybody's going out and they go to church and they go out and they have the potlucks and they have the pastor appreciation day. We don't have that. I mean, we do eat uh, sometimes, you know, we all eat, but the point is, we don't have Pastor Appreciation Day because we are we appreciate Christ, and every day is a is an appreciation. Well, we, you know, we and, give it all to Jesus. And, and when we look at it as a hospital, and and that that's that's I think I've recently heard that as a, as, a, as a great definition for the church. If we look at it as a hospital for hurting people, yes, absolutely. Nobody goes into the doctor with this pain, and you get the X rays, and then say to now, Doc, just sugarcoat it for me. <laughs> lie yeah. to me yeah. just make me feel yeah. good when i leave here no what do we do we get we get that moment of honesty with ourselves and we say doctor don't sugarcoat it lay That's it on me right. tell it to me straight yes. what's going on yes give it to me straight and when the doctor says this is what's going on and this is how you're going to have to change mm-hmm. your eating habits your lifestyle or you're going to need a little bit of surgery to have to remove something yeah. the same yes. thing is true that sometimes dr jesus needs to come along and do a little bit of pruning <laughs> and a little bit of surgery on us and sometimes we have to change our lifestyle and the way we live in order to grow and to improve our spiritual health just as the doctor's concerned with your physical health the Lord is concerned with our spiritual health. Good You're meeting work. Sundays at 1 p.m. And I also want to mention for listeners that some folks are still with all that's going on with the with the pandemic situation say, well, um, it, it's easier. I've got an older mother, a little bit concerned about getting out of the house at the moment. Well, the good news is you can also enjoy Sunday worship services at 1 p.m. They are live streamed at Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide. Again, the meeting place is at 1180 Western Street in Fairfield. Mm-hmm. And you can get complete information on the web. Just think of the initials, Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide, S-O-T-C-W-W.com. There you can get all the kinds of information about the ministry and what they believe in, more of Pastor Joel's background, though, as I hear, little nuggets keep falling out. <laughs> this this is like a a, part, a movie that has part one, part two, part three, part four. Every time I talk with him, I learn something new and fascinating about this man. And I want to encourage you, if you're new to the Bay Area, you're looking for a church home, and you're in the, uh, the greater Fairfield area, check him out. Spirit of Truth Church Worldwide. Again, meeting at 1180 Western Street in Fairfield, Sundays at 1 p.m. Complete details about service times, as well as that live stream broadcast online at Spirit of True Church Worldwide S-O-T-C-W-W dot com Yes, and one thing, Craig, right now, just so they know, I want to make it clear that we are not meeting in the building right now. We are streaming but we foresee going back in the building and when we do, it will be on Western Street there in Fairfield. So either way, you can, they can commune with us at uh, 1 p.m. on uh, online and get the same medicine. We're just not in the building right now. Amen. All right. And, and of course, the information about when that will yes. change, moving back into in-person services, will be available for you on the website. Well, Pastor Joel Jones, it's been a delight to visit. And uh, we're going to have to do this again and get Annalisa in the conversation, because I bet she's got a story or tell, due to tell oh, as well. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, we have to book, you'll have to book a little more time. Okay, Craig. yeah. Now, why do I have a feeling she's got stories to tell that'll get you in trouble, too? Yes, yeah. I, <laughs> 
yeah, I might have to excuse myself and uh, do some errands while you all talk. That's it. That's it. All right. Well, again, uh, Pastor Jones, we sure appreciate not only your heart, your your time today, and in, in uh, not only helping to open up the word, but open up a bit of your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.